The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Financial food for thought. I'm not ready yet. Are you ready to okay. I'm ready. You're ready. All right. So, yeah, you found financial food for thought. Got Mark Dolly and Kara Waddell. And I guess the question I propose to our audience today, Kara, is do you feel like Biden inflation has torn your dollar bill in half? So, there's a lot of discussion right now is what are Americans more worried about? And there's lots of headwinds out there. So are you more worried about inflation or are you more worried about a recession? Maybe you're worried about both. And that's the dilemma that the Federal Reserve has right now, along with, obviously, our elected officials. Because we don't know. We keep asking our clients at the estate planning team, we keep asking our clients, is inflation worrisome to you you know don't ask your neighbor in the sense that not just what your sentiment is about that nobody likes inflation but are you at a point of demand destruction in other words have you changed your buying because of inflation have you cut back have you tightened your belt are you no longer buying the uh name brands but buying the generic names Mm -hmm. have you canceled your riverboat cruise have you canceled your plans to retire this year? Are you still getting over the shock of a 14.5% increase in your Medicare premiums this year? And or do you have faith in the Federal Reserve and our elected officials that they can navigate this soft landing so that they can cool off inflation keep unemployment low, keep GDP going, and have that soft land. Thanks very much, Carl. Uh, Fed Governor Lael Brainerd will say the Fed will begin to reduce the balance sheet at a rapid pace as soon as the May meeting sort. Okay, that's the new term, Carrie, rapid pace. Okay, so that's why it's different this time. Mm, always. The Fed tightening is going to be at a rapid pace. Echoing, maybe going a little further than Fed Chair Jay Powell has gone in the past. She says the committee will continue tightening policy, quote, methodically, and that is through a series of interest rate hikes, she suggests. Um, of paramount importance, she says, is to get inflation down on the balance sheet. She says you expect to shrink, shrink the balance sheet more rapidly than the Fed did in a previous balance sheet reduction period. And that includes large monthly caps on runoff, on the runoff. That is, the Fed will set a level for how much it will allow to runoff. She's saying those levels will be large. They'll phase them in, but they'll get to them very quickly. All of this combined, the rate hikes and the balance sheet runoff will make policy, quote, more neutral, she says, this year. That sounds like she wants to get around 2%, maybe a little bit higher on the funds rate. Uh, and the Fed will have an opportunity to hike rates at every meeting this year. The- All right. So Ooh, that every yeah, meeting, every meeting this year and, and quicker. And, and so they're talking about reducing the balance sheet, $95 billion a month, Carrie. Not that they're going to try to get to that point. That's where they're starting. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Um, and then the, the rate hike. So after the March 25 basis point hike, I threw out, may we see 50 basis points in May? Well, I think that's a done deal now. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, how many months are we going to see the 50 basis point increases? Is it going to be the next five, the next six? You know, is it going to, you know, do they get to a target of 3% or 300 basis points? I don't know. And also, so in other words, what we had with the Rona pandemic relief, which which led to the quickest growth in history, you know, that, that uh, beach ball bounce. Right. You know, spending after everything opened up again and all, and they dropped trillions of dollars of helicopter money in all our laps. So we could go out and spend it, or the small businesses got their PPP so they could keep their doors open. Not everyone could, obviously, but a lot of people did. Everything was going well. We had good corporate profits, but now we got to pay the piper. Mm, of course. And that's the Sophie's choice. Do you slam on the brakes now, which seems to be what they're talking about doing, to cool off inflation? At the risk of a U.S. recession. So what we've been talking about on this show is what can you do at home? In other words, if you're concerned about this, if you are worried about this, if, you, if you're not sure you can handle this, if, if inflation is embedded a bit longer, or are you concerned that we are going to have a U.S. recession in the next 24 months, which also may be corresponding with a major financial decision you were trying to make in the next couple of years. That could be buying a new home. We're getting to the home season, right? Okay, I mm-hmm. want to talk a little bit about that today. It could be mean retiring. It could mean maybe you're recently retired and now you're trying to uh, implement your golden years, you know, right. which is you know that bump up in travel in those first 10 years of retirement, maybe perhaps the winter getaway. You know, we have a lot of clients who want to get, you know. Or maybe you, know, you want to take on hobbies because you have freedom of time that you didn't have before. Some hobbies are low cost. Some right. hobbies aren't. <laughs> There's no ceiling to any hobby. Right. I've learned that over the decades. Any hobby you name, I, you can always say I could spend more at it. Right. Um, now it, it could also mean major home improvements, you know, and, and the rising cost of those, it could mean if you're a little bit younger mm-hmm. than that, not, I know we don't have too many younger people listen to our show, but if you if you have children who maybe are getting up there, they're starting their own families. It could be college education. Um, it could, it could, you know, we, we did get word that president Biden is going to postpone further, the, the the student loan payments, right. right? You know, they were supposed to start up again in May. It's now kicked the can down the road. Now they won't start up again till September. That's not eliminating it. It's not the same thing. There's a big debate of whether President Biden, by executive order, can actually forgive debt, student loan debt. Mm-hmm. I don't think he can. Some people think he can. The question is, does he think he can, or does his White House staff think he or right. cabinet thinks he can, and would they actually do it? And again, I don't think, so you may have children, you may have your own student loans, maybe you're planning on helping out your student, your, your children's student loans, whatever the case may be, are you holding your breath, hoping that the government will forgive that debt? Or are you just kicking the can down the road as well and saying, well, maybe they'll maybe, you know, they'll just keep doing this. I don't know. The problem I have or I think the dilemma is, number one, I don't know if by executive order you can just forgive student loan debt. I'm not sure if you can do that. (laughs) Um, But secondly, if you did, if you did forgive the debt, how do you move forward? Because every day. There's millions and millions of high school graduates applying for new student loans. And are you opening up a can of worms? Because why did I? Are you going to give me a refund? Because I just paid all my debt. Yeah. Like, I think it's just a nightmare. Yeah. I don't know how you do it. I don't know. How about the colleges stop raising tuition and room and board? I think the colleges will pay back. I think the college should eat the student loan. I do, too. I think they're, yeah. At least half of it. And maybe get rid of some of their... um, I think the whole thing is got to be. Yeah, it's got to be mean, restructured. Does college have to be four years? That's my first question. Right. Well, who, yeah. Because who made that at, rule? Colleges. <laughs> okay. Because you wanted a well-rounded, but you know what? There's a lot of. Um, I mean, we I was going to use a word, but I got to be careful. We're on air yeah. of types of classes that maybe are unnecessary. 
Right. And to, certainly if you choose to go longer, that's you can pay for right, it. Right. But if you need that bachelor's degree to get the job, right. does it have to be four years? Mm. I don't know who came up with that. The colleges. And um, then we keep raising I mean, I guess raising. luckily they didn't make it six years. Right. I guess. Well, some people are in the five or six yeah. year plan. Yeah. Because the colleges, they don't offer the classes that they need to get every right. semester. Uh, we're way off on right. a tangent. <laughs> Not that either of us ever had cow- kids going through college, right, Gary? Right, um, you still do, and still, and that's yeah. still ahead of you. I'm luckily those days are behind me. All right, get us started. Gary. All right, good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10, and we're here to give you helpful information about issues that could impact your financial life, whether you're working or you're retired, you're married, you're single, um, you have a combination of family dynamics. Um, We hopefully bring you awareness of issues and financial news and how that may impact you, potential problems and opportunities, and unfortunately, many people miss opportunities. Our program is sponsored by the estate planning team. And the estate planning is an affordable, fee-based, Ohio-registered fiduciary planning firm that's been around Cleveland now more than 35 years, providing objective, unbiased analysis. And what we're known for is custom financial planning and true number crunching and financial modeling, which we've talked on the show before about how we approach things differently We're not investment advisors, although um, when we build plans, we coordinate with our clients' existing investment advisors, or in many cases, our clients um, do the investments on their own. And what we do in the financial planning is give people clarity of what growth rate do they need to make their assets last? And when we talked to her at the beginning of the show, you know, do you want to model in? We have clients coming in now, a recession, higher inflation. When you said a lot of people are doing both. And saying, will that affect the long uh, um, the longevity of my plan? And how do I need to adjust if I need to adjust? But we do that traditional financial modeling. And also people want to know how much risk do I really need to be taking on? And if you're concerned about a recession and you've been in the market and you had all those gains, but maybe now you're worried about a potential loss and how that can impact you. And are you taking on more risk than necessary? Um, so we provide that unbiased objective advice and analysis um, for people. And we do offer a free consultation. If you want to do some due diligence, we have reviews on Google's Angie's List and we're A-rated and accredited members of the Better Business Bureau. But you can give us a call for that free consultation, which we offer by phone or in person to see if you're someone who can benefit from our services, um, which is very different than what other people do out there. Um, Our number is 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or you can visit the website at financialfoodforthought.com. All right. So that's the debate. And ask, you mentioned, Carrie, so you see some headlines that inflation is America's biggest concern. Also, here's another one. 81% of U.S. adults are worried about a recession hitting this year. And it's not the same thing. Now, because a lot of people say the Fed, you know, the, the, the Federal Reserve, the central bankers around the world. And remember, when we're talking about recession, we're talking about global. I mean, in other words, the U.S. is a pretty strong economy right now. Now, that that's debatable. There's a lot of people now questioning how strong is this U.S. economy, whereas a lot of economists think it's very strong just like a lot of people thought that the inflation was transitory, right? And then it no longer became transitory. So the point is, is our strong economy, when is it no longer strong? Now, the technical definition of a recession, of course, is two consecutive negative GDP quarters. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen this year, all right? Because we, we're still have that roll that that the that beach ball bounce recovery you know mm-hmm. not all of the stimulus money has been spent yet um it will be soon but you know and and so but yet we don't see enough demand destruction right now that says that u.s consumers are really worried across the board about this recent inflation mm-hmm. ask yourself i so that we proposed right. that question at the beginning of the program have you tightened your belt? Have you stopped, Have you cut your grocery list? Have you cut out your discretionary spending? Or made different choices. 
Right. Um, and to how, to what levels? Have you canceled your uh, uh, TVs, uh, not TV, internet, whatever you want to call it, yeah. uh, movie uh, subscriptions? Although, you know, some of those you can call and negotiate your bill, by the way. Okay, well, that's the first <laughs> that, step. Right, that's what I do. Uh, periodically, every six months, I call and say, hey, I'm going to drop it unless I get a better rate and I can get right. a few, you know. So who's worried about a recession? <clears throat> okay. Um, 81% of U.S. Okay. All right. Republicans carry. Okay. 91%. Now, do you think perhaps that's the right-wing talking heads saying Bidenflation is going to ruin your retirement? So, you, you, you know, you better or a recession or oh, you know, Biden economics is going to... Well, I think you know, it's the inflation. We got a war going on. I think it's... Okay. But, but compared to the Democrats, okay, 73%. That's still high. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> well, that's the lowest of all these, Carrie. I'll just right. give you a heads up. Okay, independence, 81%. These are population of the U.S. who right. believes or worried about a recession. Okay, those under more financial stress, 88%. The, the Republicans are even higher than that. Okay. All right. Um, those under less financial distress, you know, 73%. And those with no change in financial stress, 75%. But like you said, in any of these categories, at least 73% are worried about a recession. That's a lot. Okay, Can you so do anything about now, it? Not I, really. I wonder how much of these 73% are doing anything in their financial planning to, to, to help them, to give them a heads up right. on whether they can weather the next recession. Right, because I can't control whether a recession happens or not, you but I can control my financial life and the choices I make and decisions and put myself in a better position if it does happen. And statistically, it's going to happen at some point. Right. So we always talk about the three simple steps that you can do to protect your family from the next economic downturn. And it feels like I'm just drilling this, but Mm -hmm. I I just keep saying it because they're very, well, it's simple things. It's not simple to implement. Right. Maybe that's a a better way of saying it. Um, But if you're serious, if you are worried, and, you know, reading the shock lines, I don't think is going to relieve your stress about it. Or if you have no way of measuring whether, I mean, we are going to have another recession. And anyone who's listening right now, chances right. are you will live through another recession. I don't care if you're, you know, 90 years old. Right. Statistically, that's just what happens. All right. Um, now, the question is, is it going to... You know, give uh, what I'm trying to say, put a threat to your financial independence. Mm-hmm. You know, is, is it going to reduce the longevity of how long your money's going to last? You know, which is, of course, America's number one fear is running out of money before life. And that's regardless of a state size for the most part. Absolutely. Um, so, what are the three steps? Okay, one, maintain an adequate cash reserve. All right, <clears throat> can't stress that enough. And that's different for everybody as far as what their comfort level is. Yeah. I don't know if you ask your neighbor what their cash reserve no. is because I don't know if it helps you. Because we have people that are comfortable with 10000 and other people need 100 So it really... Right. So what... And there's no textbook... There's no global answer. In other words, you get... it's And, and, and Carrie, actually, it's completely different whether you're working or whether you're retired. And it's different if you have a pension, if you have Social Security, whatever your other income streams... Right, and that's the that's kind of my point. Right. So if you're working, all right, and especially if you're in a, uh, a, a, a two home, a two salary work, right, home, right, where you're both working, so you've you've made you're maintaining a lifestyle based on two uh, paychecks coming. Right. All right. So the idea is a lot of the old general rule was, you know, keep six months to twelve months of your take home pay right. in your cash reserve. With the idea that if you were or one of you were laid off, you still were covered. You you have enough of a of a balance that you you know, especially if you're below fifty nine and a half, and you're worried about getting money out of those qualified plans without you know with the with the fifty nine and a half rules, and you're laid off. That's why a lot of times you'll hear that old general rule. I'm not so sure that general rule works well when you're already retired. Right. Because you're not expecting any more wages anyways. You're not going to get laid off because you don't have a job. Right. So in retirement, the things you mentioned, pensions, Social Security, those fixed retirement incomes, well, yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of people believe that if we have embedded inflation or if we have a recession, that Social Security is going to go away. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I really, I, you really. Well, think? you know what? I still run into people that think Social Security will not or be. I don't think so. We have talked on the show that Social Security is a much easier fix. Raise the cap on wages that are taxed. Right. Increase the payroll taxes. I think Social Security itself yeah. is a much easier fix than anything else the government has. Faced. Yeah. And again, if they do now, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, well, that's because the, the, the trustees send out that thing every year saying that Social Security, you know, fund, trust fund is right. going to be depleted by 2035. Or 2034 or 2033. It's like the doomsday clock, right? It, you know, it's ticking faster. But the idea is that's if they do nothing, right? And, and even at that point, they're not saying it's like goes from 100% paid out benefits now to zero. No, right. they're saying they would have to cut like maybe 25%. So we do have clients, if you're concerned about that, we can tell the robot to out in 2034 or whatever year you want to pick, quite honestly. And you and we tell the robot, okay, whatever my Social Security benefit is projected to be, slash it by 25%. If that gives you peace of mind, we can certainly do that. And we and, have done that for and clients. And that's what I'm saying. We can model in whatever worst case scenario you're right. thinking about. But so back to what is an adequate cash reserve in retirement? Well, sometimes we talk about, you know, keeping 18 months or 12 months or 18 months of your spending gap, right? That's the difference between what you're really planning on spending, right? Right. And those fixed retirement incomes, Mm -hmm. pension, Social Security, and perhaps you've annuitized an annuity, you know, to create contractual income. And that's why those fixed annuities have become so popular, you know, is because uh, a lot of the baby boomers, you know, they're retiring without the pension. So they have to kind of they have to kind of create it on their own. Right. So that's why those annuities are coming back to play. And that we talked about the new Secure Act 2.0 that's coming down here soon, you know, soon. And I called if you missed that last week's show, I spent a lot of time last week on the new Secure Act, you know, and, and part of that is that. Part of that plan is that they're going to introduce uh, those annuity concepts back into the 401ks and and, and perhaps the 403bs. Well, a lot of, there are a lot in the 403bs already, but back into the 401k. So as you as an employee, you, you could elect some of your contributions to go into that type of concept where you can create a pension, so to speak, when you retire. Because obviously, after the 40 years of the 401k, it was a complete disaster for the general baby boomer, you know, because they, baby boomers don't have, you know, mm-hmm. they don't have the money to retire. So so if you if you missed last week's show, you know, we and we'll talk more about the SECURE Act. And, and just a quick note on that, um, the timing. So when the SECURE Act won, that was back in 2019, Gary. So by the time the House passed, and that's what happened at the end of March, the House of Representatives passed, resurrected, and passed their latest version of SECURE Act 2.0. So the first time around in 2019, it took about seven months from when the House passed it to it was implemented. Okay. All right. So let's think. So they passed at the end of March. So we got April, May, June, July, mm. August, September, October. So hmm, anything else happening in this country around October, Election? November? You think that has anything to do with the the House trying to get this Secure Act? So I would think so. Maybe they could tell everybody before Election Day. To look help, what we did. Look what we did. No, nah, I don't think that has anything to do with it. Do you care? Oh, I think so. Um, all right. So so back to the so that spending gap. So the idea is saying, okay, if you if, if your expenses are X amount of dollars a year, all right. And by the way, it's you got to include everything. Mm-hmm. Don't forget the uh, pets, right, or your haircuts. Or, or the new car you're planning on buying, um, you know, as well as the daily, you know, the regular living expenses or that, you know, that new uh, dental implant you have to get. Um, but anyway, so you got to add everything. So, so then you take, you, you, take, you, you take what your fixed retirement income is, pensions, annuitized mm-hmm. annuities, Social Security. You subtract out your expenses. Right. The difference is your gap. Mm-hmm. Okay, or you take your expenses last year, last right. year fixed income. By the way, if your fixed retirement income is more than your expenses, you're fine. You need to spend more money, right? All right. Um, but it, most people, it's not that way, right? It's the other way. The expenses are more than the fixed retirement income. So that difference, that gap, that's what's got to come out of your investments. Now, here's the dilemma: if you know, or here's not, here's the opportunity, or here's the planning discipline. If you can identify what that spending gap is. For the next, and how how careful you want to go? Six months, twelve months, eighteen months, twenty four months. Mm-hmm. Carrie, we have clients going longer than twenty four months, right? Oh yeah, yeah, not too many, but some do. 
I would say our average client right now is somewhere between 12 and 18 months. And they're saying, if I've got, a, if I've got my spending gap in my cash reserve, right. then I think I'll be able to get through if we do. Because the idea is, if we do have an economic downturn, the, you don't want to sell your stocks low. If the stocks are crashing, the idea is you don't want to sell low right. to come up with your spending. Or you, 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 that, that economic idea is so drilled into you, you will cancel your riverboat cruise. Or you, you, even we've had people make a big purchase and they don't have the cash. They'll do an IRA distribution or a company plan distribution, and then that creates more taxes especially if they're not minimum. And we've seen that where it causes Medicare B premiums to go up in the future that they didn't know about. It throws them through a different tax bracket, their capital gains. We've had a few people come in after the fact over the years. So that cash reserve provides a lot of flexibility. It, It prevents you from selling low if you don't want to. It also prevents additional tax hits if you have to dip into it, right? Or, or if you've got an unplanned expense. Not that our, our clients ever have unplanned mm. expenses. Um, but, you know, so so that's the idea. So that gap. And then you say, so now, now if we don't have an economic downturn, okay, once you've got your cash reserve set, it's set, Carrie. So if you're not using it, if we don't have an economic downturn, okay, then you do your normal IRA distributions, or you don't care about selling high, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, that's the idea: sell high, you know, buy low, uh, you know, and and but don't sell, you know, don't sell low, you know, that idea. So it's that it's that, and then you say, okay, so but if if the stocks are down, or I don't want to sell low, then I can use my cash reserve, and that gives me time to get through the economic downturn. Whether especially if you're going twelve to eighteen months out, right? And it gives me time to replenish my cash reserve at my time frame. You know, and in the meantime, if you're not selling low, you're using your cash, which isn't earning a whole lot right now anyways. So, and again, I don't get too hung up on people say, well, Mark, the cash isn't paying anything. I don't care. That's not what the cash reserve is. not your right. growth asset. I don't care if your cash isn't earning anything. Um, we're not trying to put, you know, 90% of your portfolio in cash. Right. Um, you know, the, the idea is, you know, enough of the cash. But once a cash reserve is built, you don't have to keep funding it until you've depleted it. So so in that case, but if you do deplete it, at least, you know, you, you're, you're giving time for your stocks to get weather through the next downturn. And in the meantime, you're still getting the dividends that those stocks are paying or those mutual funds or those ETFs. So that that can help with your cash flow. So that's the first thing. The second thing is um, rebalance, all right? Don't take on more risk than what you need to be right. okay. So that's that kind of what happens when you have back-to-back-to-back double-digit returns in the stock market. You know, all of a sudden, your 60-40, polio, your 60/40 portfolio is now 70-30 mm-hmm. or 75-20, you know, whatever. Um, so do now, if you're using a professional investment advisor, they're probably doing that for you already. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might not even realize it. Um, but if you're doing this at home at your own, or if you don't know if your investment advisor is doing it, I know. Why don't you ask them? Mm-hmm. That'd be a good place to start. So we don't have all the answers, but we know what questions you need to be asking your other advisors. Um, so, you know, don't, and, and if you don't know what rate of return makes you, that you need to get, then chances are you don't have a custom financial plan. Which wouldn't that be a good place to start to figure out what growth rate you do need? And then that's when you know how much risk you need to take on. Right. That's a different approach than perhaps what you're used to when you go interview for a new investment advisor. A lot of times they talk about your risk tolerance and they've got all conservative, moderately conservative, moderate. Yeah. Or, (laughs) you know, how would you feel if there was a 50 percent decline or how would you feel? uh, How I feel is irrelevant, I guess. You know, it's not totally irrelevant, but it still doesn't put me. So they say, we take a different approach. We say, well, let's build the plan and let's the robot come back and tell us what rate of return you need to be. Okay. Mm hmm. And so you may want to start with maybe, you know, and if you don't know where to start with the robot, we'll ask your investment advisor. You say, hey, throw me a bone here, Mr. Investment Advisor. Based on how you have my account allocated today, what long-range rate of return do you think I should be using in my financial plan? And then just be quiet and see what they tell you. Mm -hmm. Now, if they give you a range 
and say, oh, um, Mr. Client, that's that's a great question. Um, you know, we ran this Monte Carlo analysis that's looking at all the different scenarios. And basically with the, uh, the, the risk, you know, where you're at now and, and, and all the economics and everything, well, somewhere between 3 and 8%. Oh, that's a like that's a big range. I'm sorry. And it's like that's a cop out. And that's a that's like the Federal Reserve using their language. Right. So you 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 say well because I can tell you this your your financial plan looks completely different if you tell the robot run it at a three percent rate of return versus running it at an eight percent rate of return. But it also can look surprisingly different over many years versus a four percent and a five percent. Right. So if you get that type of response, you, you follow the question. And the follow-up question is, oh, that's a pretty wide range. So so which do you think I should use, Mr. Investment Manager? Should I use the lower end 3% or should I use the higher end 8% or should I use something right in the middle? And then see what they say, right? Okay. Well, so. and I think by having that number, it'll give you the peace of mind. If I can do all the spending that I can dream up and I don't need to take on much risk, that's going to give me a lot of peace of mind. Right. So let's But take- then you have to change your portfolio and to more fixed if that's yes. what your plan is doing. It, right. And that's what killed a lot of retirement plans in the lost decade. When we had in that 10 year period between 1998, 99, mm-hmm. the irrational exuberance and the 2008 great recession, right? The, you had two 50% declines in the stock markets in a 10 year period. Ouch. And, and by the way, that had never happened before in, in a 10 year period. Could it happen again? It's different this time. I, I don't know. It never happened before. Um, but I tell you this, you know, we, we had some stories because we were working with, you know, new clients coming into us and that ruined a lot of retirement plans. And then when they came to and then they came to us when they realized I have to go back to the drawing board. And, and that's when we that's when, you know, that's where we, you know, the we all learned about the sequence of returns. You know, the problem is if there's an economic downturn in the early years of your retirement at the same time where your wages end and you're starting that withdrawal from your nest egg and then you have the economic downturn, that's a mm-hmm. that's a double hit. Right. And so that's the sequence of returns. And that's why, you know, it, it doesn't hurt as much if you are going into a 30-year retirement and there's no recession until the 28th year. Right. It hurts a lot if it's in the first two years. Mm-hmm. So so that's the idea of, you know, modeling in an economic downturn. But so rebalancing. But anyways, in that process, we said, well, let's turn this upside down. Let's not answer the risk tolerance because I really don't know. That's a good, that's a feely, you know, thing. Let's just f- calculate based on what I'm planning on spending. Yeah, what rate of return on my investments is needed? And like you're saying, Carrie, if that comes back at three to four percent, okay. Well, then maybe you say, I don't, I don't. How much risk do I need to take on to get a three or four percent return? Now, by the way, if that comes back and the robot says, "Gee, Mr. Ms. Smith, to make your plan work, you're going to need an eight percent return for the next thirty years," mm-hmm. I don't know how confident you're going to be going into that plan. You might have some sleepless nights in retirement if you if your plan saying the only way it's going to work is if you get an eight percent rate of return. Mm-hmm. Now, remember. Just to give you, because I know people forget, Carrie, but remember when back in 1998, when we were asking new clients, when they were coming in to see us, and we would have, we'd ask that question, and we'd say, Mr. and Smith, you know, we have to assume a rate of return for this 30-year, 35-year model. So what rate of return do you think is reasonable or, you know, conservative, realistic that we should be using to run your financial model? And they'd, they'd, they'd look at each other, and they'd, they'd look at me and say, well, Mark, we want to be conservative. Don't use anything more than 25%. Now, I couldn't laugh at them. No. Because they thought that was a conservative number. I thought you were going to use the, where I remember a lot of goals worksheets were 10 to 12 or 8 to 10 each and every year yeah. for the next 30 years. Yeah, and and, it's, and and when I would say, well, gee, Mr. Smith, do you know if, if I run your 30-year model based on a... T- now, they were getting 40 to 45% a year at that time. That was the dot-com. You okay. Know, you know. So th- and that was irrational exuberance, right? right? That was like, gee, I'm getting 40 to 50 right now. A 25 is conservative. That was, the, that was the... Remember, that was the day traders. That was yeah, the new... Yeah, but that is that realistic long-term. Of course no. not. Right. So I said, I said well, you're, I said, well, Mr. And Smith, you're, I, I think you're going to be sorely disappointed if I run your financial model based on a 25% rate of return for the next 30 years. They're like, Really? You think we ought to use, think I ought to knock that down to 15? Now, the same thing. Then we're asking the same 
new clients coming to see us after the Great Recession, after the lost decade. Right. Mr. Ms. Smith, what do you think we should be running your long-range rate of return your plan? Mark, do you think we'll ever, ever get 3% again? See, people tend to give us a number that they most recently experienced in the market. Mm-hmm. And that's not really the way it works in real life. All right. So you have to, you know, that's why, again, if you're using professionals, make them help you understand. And if you're saying, okay, what is, you know, how much risk in today's markets do I need to get a certain rate of return? But also, even before that point, perhaps you work on building your own financial model that's based on your goals, your objectives, not your parents, mm-hmm. not your coworkers, mm-hmm. not your neighbors. And, and then you're projecting out, and that's the difference. It's, it's getting a long-range projection. It's not that you know anything that happens this year is not really going to financially is not really going to affect this year. Okay, it, it, it's in a weird way. It just affects the longevity of your plan, right? So the idea of the financial planning discipline is that you know your model, the model that you're building, it's 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 a, just to help you. It's a tool to help you along the path. Mm-hmm. It's not the idea that you do a financial planning model once and put into a sock drawer for 30 years. Right. Okay. By quite frankly, by the time I print out the the client's financial plan before the ink is dry, it's outdated. Right. Because you know that car they told me they weren't going to buy for two years. Right. They, they just put a you know they just went out and bought it over the weekend. You know. So it it so th- that's the idea. And so what you're doing is, but you've got a good model, a good working tool that's based on the best conservative realist assumptions you can make today. And, you know, obviously plan A is working because if your plan A isn't working, then you're not done with plan A yet. Right. right. Um, but, but now the idea is, okay, when, when reality changes an assumption that I made in my mm-hmm. plan, I know how to go in and update my plan accordingly. So if you're concerned right now, like what, that's what we're talking about right now, inflation, well, maybe you, you weren't using 7% inflation going forward. Maybe you're saying, do, do I have to use 7% inflation? Well, maybe for the next few years, you know, that's the idea. So that's, the, and that all gets into, then when you get those numbers, then that helps you sit down with your investment advisor and, and then say, okay, based on this, the robot's telling me, that if we have 7% inflation for the next few years and then maybe it cools off to 3 3.5% ongoing and maybe I'm using 5 5.5% inflation for healthcare insurance premiums and maybe uh, you know I've got to add in you know my automobile replacement fund and oh by the way I better budget some money for our daughter's wedding cuz I think she may get married someday um, or you know I do want to go to Hawaii all right. Mm-hmm. So so those are all things added in. And now you've got a detailed plan. And so now the robot's coming back and saying, OK, Mr. And Smith, to make your plan for your money not to run out before age 90, 95, do I hear 100? <laughs> this is what rate of return you would need. Now you can modify that even more by saying, OK, now let's go back and tell the robot and say, OK, so let's say that number comes back at 5 percent. Right. right. So because everyone tells me today that's the number. You know, right. Ninety five percent of our of the question that comes back, 5 percent. Right. right? Uh, so that's today's number. Right um, now. So if 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 the so if the robot comes back and says, yeah, your, your plan works at 5 percent. Now you may tell the robot, OK, let's just go one step further, because what if these recession calls with the people are making the calls are correct and what happens if we do have a uh a decline here right when i'm ready to retire all right um now so you keep all the other variables the same yeah your expense assumptions your inflation right you have it all built all you're doing you're changing one variable at a time all right so now you're going in and say so don't assume i'm going to get five percent so what should you assume in an economic downturn well again this is where it's you, you, you can have discussions with all your advisors to come up with a consensus, right? But let's just say you were a 60-40 portfolio, right? Mm-hmm. 60-40 portfolio, very popular portfolio going to retirement. 
I think, you know, the, the 10 year through 2021, the 10 year annualized, which included, by the way, that, um, you know, uh, the Rona recession, it doesn't include the Great Recession at this point, 10 years. But, you know, it's still depending on whether you assume that all the your stock positions, you reinvest the dividends. I don't assume that. Right. I use the lower number. But um, so without the dividend reinvestment, the annualized 10 year 60 40 portfolio ending in 2021 is about eight, eight to nine percent return. Okay. If you want to add in the dividends reinvested, it's that's up another two percentage points. Um, but the idea is saying, OK, but a lot of people are saying that might not happen for the next few years. OK, because of the you know war in Ukraine, the government or the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. The, the still the financial risk of the Rona, which we're not through yet, the supply chain, I could go on and on, right? So so the idea is saying, so I'm telling the robot, okay, I'm not going to assume my 60-40 portfolio is going to earn 5% in year one, if I'm doing that right, right now. So, okay, I think there's going to be a, an economic downturn. So let's say that's a, so let's say we have, let's say we have a recession. So typically uh, what comes along with the recession is a 20, 25% decline in the stock market. So let's take that off your investments. So, yeah. So if you're 60% in, uh, in growth, okay, so you eat 60% of the of the 25% loss. So you'd be down 15% in that okay. example. So you sit, tell the robot, so let's assume a 50% loss in the first year. And then the second year, let's say we're kind of through it, but now, yeah, we're, 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 we're coming, you know, we're seeing like light at the end of the recovery. tunnel. Um, so, so let's assume 0% in the second year. And then by the third year, let's say we're almost back. So maybe we're at two to 3% rate of return, a gain. Right. And then by the fourth year, we're back to our five. That's right. just an example, right? And so, so now- You can use any number you want. Yeah, and, and, and now you, you see if the money is still lasting as long as you need it. And for some people, it will. It won't really have any material effect. And for other people, it will make a significant difference in what they need to spend or adjustments they need to make when it comes to their financial life. But the value is that they know. And then also they know how to create the income needed when they retire as tax efficiently as possible. And that in itself has plenty of opportunities. We offer a free no obligation, no pressure consultation, which we're happy to do in person or over the phone. And we'll actually even do some preliminary analysis if you provide us information so we can see how best we might be able to help you. You can call 440-239-2090. Leave a message. We'll get back to you on Monday morning. That's 440-239-2090. Or you can get information on our website, listen to our podcast, sign up for our newsletter at or contact us for the free consultation at financialfoodforthought.com. That's financial foodforthought.com and you're listening this morning to Carrie Waddell and Mark Donnelly. Okay. Um, so those are the three simple steps. So again, to protect your family, if you're concerned about higher inflation or even maybe a worst case scenario, a U.S. recession. One, maintain adequate cash reserve. Two, rebalance. So don't take on more risk than what you need to be okay. And three, build your plan R. In mm -hmm. this case, we're saying the R is for the recession. And that's what we just talked about, where you tell the robot, assume a, a, a major economic downturn in the early years and and see if you need to be worried about it. Or is it is it really going to shorten up your life, your longevity of your financial plan? Then with the detailed model, you can go in and say, okay, what what steps can I do? What proactive steps can I do as opposed to just sitting at home and sitting on my couch worrying about it or just completely saying I can't spend any discretionary spending or I can never take a trip again or I guess I'm going to have to tell my daughter to elope, you know, as opposed to doing those knee-jerk reactions. You're, or it, it, maybe it won't be an, a recession. Maybe it's just a stock market crash. Are you going to panic and sell low? And buy gold. Is is that what you're going to do? Um, you know, so so as opposed to making the knee jerk reactions, it's more the idea of saying, okay, I do have to. I'm going to be proactive. I want to know. All right, if if this if I model in a worst case scenario, 
And, you know, all of a sudden my 4% rule, meaning I thought I could take, you know, 4% out of my investments in year one of my retirement, but because of higher inflation and an economic downturn in beginning years, it turns into, you know, uh, 2.8%, right? Instead of 4% (laughs) mathematically. Okay. What can I do? Does that mean if I'm not retired yet and, and maybe I do have to work longer? Well, how much longer? Does it mean you have to work three more years, one more year? Does it mean you don't have to work full time for three more, you know, for one or two more years? You could work part time for three years. You know, the idea, so it still gets you out of the rat race, but you pick up, you know, a side gig where, you know, hopefully the hobby career, which is everybody's American's dream. You know, if you if you're really good at doing something, chances are somebody else, you know, is willing to pay you to teach them how to do it. Um, that's what we call a hobby career. Right. Um, but the idea is, okay, if, if you know, that's what I'm looking, that's what, the, that's what a working model does. It's, and it's not just all based on what the stock market does. And it's all not just based on the solution to you, to these problems. These risks is to buy a big annuity. It, you know, it's, that's not the solution. No, and I think sometimes people panic and go into all one concept or strategy where a good plan is diversification with strategy. Certainly it could be a piece, but right. it's not the end all solution. There is no one thing that's gonna make your plan be perfect. Right. Now, so that so that annuity solution is valid, especially if you don't have a pension in retirement. Mm-hmm. Because it is turning and, and even if you're even if you're a well away from retirement right now meaning it's not even in your next two or three year window. Um, it's still the idea that that's a safe place to park your money. Right. If you're concerned that you have too much inequities or too much at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, you but know, don't take all of it out of those equities. Right. Um, back. That's the rebalancing. You know, right. you know, but at least on the, on the fixed annuity, you, you, you know, because the problem right now, your other fixed options Cash, well, cash isn't paying a whole lot. CDs, in CDs. Uh, yeah, yeah, three years you get a one and a half percent. But I mean, wow. the uh, but those will be going up. They'll be taking up. But and and, and but the idea is that, um, yeah, annuities aren't short term money either. I mean, they're long term money. You know, you don't be confused about that. And you know, you don't don't you're not really planning, or you shouldn't be planning, in our opinion, to start taking out money out of annuities before age fifty nine and a half because mm-hmm. you have to. You know, that that's an issue. Um, but the idea is. Those, um, you know, as an alternative to the fixed side, because the problem with bonds right now on your fixed side is bonds could get creamed this year. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're not using a professional bond buyer or somebody, you know, a professional investment advisor who's well trained in how to deal with bonds in a in a bear bond market. Good luck if you're doing it on your own, Um, because that may be ugly. And so so, you know, the fixed annuities, you don't have you have that principal protection. Okay, which is which the same as you have with your CDs, you know, and, and um, so so that idea. But yeah, but sometimes I think, you know, people have selective hearing when, when they hear about the fixed annuities. In other words, so what type, you know, in other words, the, the fixed annuity guys are always good at telling you about, you know, how how to make your retirement work. You need that fixed retirement income coming in that wouldn't be subject to stock market risk, Harry, right? Mm-hmm. But they don't often tell you how much principal or how much money you've got to put in to buy right. the annuity, okay? Um, so they, they, like, they'll tell you, so for example, like, oh, well, if, uh, like, Carrie, I don't know, just off the top of my head, I mean, a 65-year-old, if they wanted to turn on a, a, a annuit, annuitized annuity or immediate annuity, um, what you're looking at about what maybe a six percent withdrawal? Mm-hmm. Okay, so in other words, it, it, let's say you needed six. Let's say your spending gap was right. sixty thousand dollars a year. So you say, okay, I'm going to do what the fixed annuity guys say and say, all right, <clears throat> fill that up with an annuity. Mm, you got to have a lot of capital. Okay, yeah, if that's six percent. If, if that's six percent, you okay? They, they, they don't tell you you got to pay me a million dollars to buy the annuity that will start paying and you out sixty thousand. And if it's not 000. liquid, you might have to create a lot of taxes to create that too. So right now, let's say now sometimes they'll say, but let's say you're gonna you don't need the money for a while. Let's say you're sixty five. 
and you don't really need to turn on that income for 10 years. Maybe, okay. You know, so 75. So, so now they say, well, now maybe that raises that 6% base or what right. come out, maybe up to 10%, right? Okay. One, because you're 10 years older. So the annuity company's thinking, oh, I, that's right. 10 years. I don't have to pay them, right? Um, and secondarily, you're putting the money in, and now it's growing tax deferred for 10 right. years. So you're getting some growth on it, right? So, okay, so that would be... Um, but now, so so now you don't need a million. You only need to give them six hundred thousand at sixty five, right? And then at seventy five, you can start taking out ten. But you know, which is a good strategy. But to put all of it in, guess what? Once you t- choose the income riders or annuitized, because those are a little bit different concepts, it's still an income stream. You can't say, "Oh, well, I need some more of that for later." It's like a pension lump sum election. Once you elect that right. income stream. And you cannot right. access the rest of that asset. Right. Now, there's a lot of variations. Right. There's guaranteed income riders where there is principal. There's also, if you want increasing payments, that they those are available. start lower. But or- it's going to be a lower payout in the beginning, right? Um, now, the other thing, too, so I want to get off that subject. But, um, the, you know, the, the other thing that, yeah, it's, it's back to the concept. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. I mean, in other words, mm-hmm. you need, you know, all these all these are just tools in the financial toolbox right and and that's the reason why you have more than one tool in your toolbox mm-hmm. all right um so it, it's not that any one tool is good or bad on its own it's the idea that you know you, you first maybe you 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 have to figure out what you're building before you start picking up the tools to use it so to speak and that you know right analogy. um all right so so one of the other things you know again we're getting into the house buying mm-hmm. selling season right and I'm going to be talking about this, and and there's a lot of <laughs> I call it the house of pain, Gary. Right. Right. There's there's a lot of shock line risk going on right now, dealing with with this, and 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 a lot of people are saying how the U.S. housing industry industry goes this season. Okay. May tip the scales one way or another if we're going to a U.S. recession. Right. But we'll also remember the with the low mortgage rates before the housing market was crazy. Right. And so now mortgage rates don't look now, but they creeped up above the four and a half percent level. Right. Okay. Um, also, we've had we've had a little bit of a price increase in houses. Gary, you yeah. know what the U.S. medium listing price for a house is? Three fifty. Four hundred and five thousand. Okay. I was shocked at that. Yeah, I am, too. Although my neighbor had his house on the market for two weeks and sold it okay. above asking um, price last week. So, you know, and. So yeah, so those home prices is that indicating a bubble that's gonna you know burst? Um, how would a how would a you know housing bubble affect the economy? These are just some of the shock lines. Um, pending home sales sink in February, setting a grim tone as housing market enters key spring season. Um, you know, Larry Summers. You know, housing inflation could hit seven percent this year, um, and and. and so that's also so so you know then you've got Zillow, mm-hmm. and saying that you know twenty percent increase in estimated home prices for the twelve months through January. So there's a lot going on here. Rents are going up, housing's going up. The, the idea is this could mean directly directly to you if you were getting to buy a new house or trying to sell your house. It also means if you're trying to decide whether you need to build in a recession or not to your financial plan, keep an eye on the housing market which we'll do as well. All right. Call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.